Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the third chapter, verses 15 through 17 and 21 and 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you, I am well pleased. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's hard to believe that it has been nearly a dozen years ago now that I stepped into this pulpit for the first time. I preached about baptism on my first Sunday as one of your pastors. It felt a little plucky to begin my ministry by reflecting on the beginning of Jesus' public ministry with his baptism. But it also seemed fitting, because I was ordained by the Disciples of Christ, a denomination that baptizes adults by immersion. Now, we're in uh, collaboration and friendship with the United Church of Christ, quite obviously, but that is one of the differences. And in all honesty, I did have just a little bit of baggage about transitioning into a congregation of the United Church of Christ, which, as we see, uses considerably less water for the sacrament. But since I'm being honest here, I will tell you that baptism by immersion, going all the way under, had seemed incredibly weird to me when I first joined a Disciples of Christ congregation. I associated that practice with fundamentalists and fanatics. Now, I had been baptized as an infant with just a little water on my forehead, which at that point kind of felt like a get-out-of-jail-free card, since disciples are universally opposed to re-baptism, I could join the church without having to get my hair wet. 
Good deal. And then, not long after I became a pastor, one of our teenagers decided she was ready to be baptized. She's not a teenager anymore. This makes me feel very old now. <laughs> I was delighted and petrified. I guess I knew, theoretically at least, I wasn't going to be able to get away with staying dry forever. But the whole idea was still so intimidating. There are logistics involved with immersion baptism. There is plumbing involved with immersion baptism. Thankfully, I did not have to navigate the logistics alone. A dear woman named Susie just passed away a few years ago, and I remember her so fondly. Susie was serving as the chair of the Properties Committee. As part of that role, she was responsible for the baptistry. And she felt a little fuzzy about how to fill and drain it. It had been a while since we had celebrated a baptism. I was also hoping that we, she was going to be ready so that the water wouldn't be frigid cold. One of the steps was figuring out how to warm the water in said baptistry. Unlike our dainty silver bowl that fits into the beautiful wooden baptistry, the baptistry at South Bay Christian Church was essentially a small swimming pool at the back of the sanctuary. Since Susie had seen the fear in my eyes whenever the impending baptism came up, she proposed that we do a trial run of the whole thing. We would meet in our swimsuits a week before the big day, fill up the tank, and I would dunk her as many times as it took for me to figure out the best way to ensure that the sacrament would not last uncomfortably long. I ended up immersing her a good seven or eight times. So much for not believing in rebaptism. We were giggling so much, we couldn't stop thinking about how holy she would be by the time I was through with her. And then we laughed until tears streamed down our cheeks to join the waters in the baptistry as we considered what the custodian would think if he walked in while we were swimming around in the front of the sanctuary. It is truly one of my favorite memories. As I waded into the baptistry the morning of my very first real baptism, I was ready. The ordinary yet sacred waters of baptism flowed between our fingers and toes, warming us washing us, drenching us. After I gently lowered the girl into the water, 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and lifted her back up again. She said it was like getting a bear hug from God. A bear hug from God. A goofy metaphor for a wonderfully goofy practice. I will tell you, I did have a pang of regret after the service as the drain gurgled and cleared. I've always wished I had switched places with my baptismal guinea pig during the practice session just so I could know what it felt like to be fully immersed. There's still a part of me, though, that likes that I can only imagine the sensation. That imagination seems to be a spiritual practice of sorts. And it's one that you can join me in. All you have to do is recall a time you have been soaked. Swimming in a lake, taking a bath, getting caught in an unexpected cloudburst. That's another of my favorite memories. Right before, the day before, our foreign exchange student left to return to Germany, my daughters and Ruby and I ran out into a warm summer rain, rainstorm, jumped in puddles, let the waters just wash over us. Take that memory, whatever your memory might be, and layer over it the words of blessing that God speaks to each of us. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. You might even make a habit of it every time you chance upon water. That's the lovely thing. There is a whole lot of water in the world, from teardrops to oceans. And all of it is poised to become sacramental, a means by which God might express God's grace. If you believe anything you hear within these sacred walls, within this sacred live stream, I hope you believe that God calls you beloved. Trusting God's love, knowing deep in your bones that God looks upon us and is well pleased, is not only the foundation of the life of faith, it is the foundation for a life well lived. We have to know who we are and whose we are to find our way in this world. But knowing, trusting our own belovedness is not enough. We must know the belovedness of others. This is just as foundational. 
As one writer puts it, I am confident because I believe I am a child of God. I am humble because I believe that everyone else is too. It may sound simple, and it is in the best way. But I know that this wisdom is remarkably easy to forget. How quickly we go back to believing that we will never be enough. And that when other people are doing what we think they should be doing, they aren't worthy of our respect. I think that's why the church embraces the practice of remembering and renewing our baptisms. We need to be reminded of the stakes of the covenant that shapes our lives. So today, we shall remember our baptisms. We do this with churches all around the world. And we will renew our covenant as God's beloved children. And if you have not yet been baptized, I encourage you to take this time to discern if God is calling you to take that step in your journey of faith. So now let us turn minds and hearts to the font of grace. water is real, ordinary, and yet the way that God chooses to bless us. I will ask you a series of questions. For the first part, please respond to each question with the words, with God's help, I will. Will you refuse to believe you are less than God's beloved child just as you are? With God's help, I will. Will you refuse to believe you must work harder, do better, be better to earn God's love? With God's help, I will. Will you refuse to believe God loves some people more than others? With God's help, I will. Will you refuse to believe there is anything you or anyone else can do to lose God's love? With God's help, I will. And now, please respond, trusting God, I do. In imitation of Christ, do you choose to believe grace is truly free and truly freeing for you and for all whom God has made? Trusting God, I do. In imitation of Christ, do you choose to believe grace can shatter every sinful system 
of supremacy, greed, and exploitation. Trusting God, I do. In imitation of Christ, do you choose to believe grace can lift up the lowly, empower the oppressed, and remake the world in accordance with God's original purposes of justice, peace, and compassion? Trusting God, I do. In imitation of Christ, do you choose to embrace the grace God offers you, following it to the surprising places it leads, return to it when you stumble and fall, and share it with the world with courage and creativity as best as you are able? Trusting God, I do. And will you gently touch the place on your brow where you received that original blessing? Let us pray. By your spirit, O oh God, grant us love for others, joy in serving you, peace in disagreement, patience in suffering, kindness toward all people, goodness in evil times, faithfulness in temptation, gentleness in the face of opposition, self-control in all things. Then strengthen us for ministry in your name. Amen. May we be so fully immersed in the love of God, so deeply entrenched in the grace of Christ, so completely submerged in the Holy Spirit, that we become makers of peace, seekers of justice, witnesses of truth with our lips, and with our lives. Amen. I do want to lift up that that beautiful prayer of baptismal renewal was written by my colleague, the Reverend John Gage. I was so grateful to receive that beautiful prayer to share with you today. Let us rise and sing our closing hymn, Go My Children With My Blessing. Thank you. 